1: Hey everybody, I want to talk to you about Squarespace Courses. It has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. You can create engaging content your audience is going to love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. So just go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. And it's just the two of us. We're flying solo um and that's okay we're gonna do this and this is stuff you should know
1: yeah you know before we get going we are the worst self-promoters and we consistently forget to tell people that we have a book and a board game for sale for christmas oh that's great great point Thanks, chuck and every once in a while they'll say things like you know if you guys want to mention this did they say YouTube? that i feel like every
0: now and then we get emails that say hey did you forget that you have these things? I don't forget. I just assume like everybody doesn't want to hear about it. You know.
1: Oh, I know, but uh, we're we're just not good at this. So, no, we're uh, not. As we stumble through yet another self-promotion, <laughs> we have a book and a board game, and they both make great Christmas
0: gifts. Please stop! This is making me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Go buy them, everybody. Yeah, they're actually pretty good. We're proud of both of them. I mean, it, it, we like like we wrote a book, and we also um, with our good buddy Nils Parker, I should say, and we also helped create a, a board game with our good buddies over at Trivial Pursuit. So, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of it. It's a it's a legacy kind of thing, you know.
1: That's right. So uh, we might have a couple of these reminders before Christmas, because they do make great gifts for the stuff you should know, friend, in your life.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, that was a great idea, Chuck. And it didn't feel so bad after all.
1: That's right. And now on to our probably, I think, eighth episode. I think it culminates. hmm It's culminated in this after many, many episodes mm-hmm. dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, that's funny that you say that because I was going to caveat this with like, this, this will, we will surely do another episode on this down the road within the next several years, I'm sure. Because you're obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it, number one. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of the most interesting things because this kind of stuff we're going to talk about the gut brain microbiome axis. Um, and it reveals, Chuck, like how little we actually know about our bodies and how they function. But it also provides these tantalizing clues about how cool the stuff we have left uh, to understand is. You know what I mean? One day we're going to understand exactly how our bodies function, and it's going to be mind-boggling. I'm just very excited about it. So, yes, I'm obsessed with it. But the other reason why we'll surely do it again is because the stuff that we're going to talk about, we got to disclaim this episode in that it's pioneering, like like— Cutting-edge research, not bleeding-edge, cutting-edge research. So it's going to keep evolving. But that also means, Charles, that 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 you and I can just be like gee whiz and wow at this point because this is all like just very early study kind of stuff.
1: That's right. And if you want to really get ready for this one, you could listen to episodes on uh, digestion, mm-hmm. fecal transplants. Yeah, the microbiome. Uh, human, human Microbiome Project. Mm-hmm immune system, probiotics, and even our old buddy, Fight or Flight.
0: Yeah. And then just listen to the one on Pyromania for kicks. Did we do one on Pyromania? Of course. Oh, man.
1: We did it's one... funny. I was looking through the list the other day for, ooh, for a very special thing we have coming up that we can't announce yet.
0: Shh, shh, it's more self-promotion, <laughs> too.
1: Uh, which we're very excited about. But mm-hmm. I was looking through all of our episodes, and... Boy, it's getting more and more. I'm like, huh? What? Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Imagine somebody trying to wade into this stuff and and like just encountering it now. You know?
1: Yeah. It was. At one point, though, I was like, was I abducted for for a few years? (laughs) Like. I don't remember a lot of these.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have the same same thing going on. Uh, but also, Chuck, now that you mentioned the list, I want to give a huge hat tip again to our Minister of Stats, Jill Hurley, who yeah, yeah. just doggedly and tirelessly chronicles every single episode we've ever done. There's a Google Sheet out there that's open access that has every single episode in order, including the selects or when they ran as a select. Just It's just an amazing thing that she's doing for free for the, the love of it. I'm, I'm guessing right. she still loves it. I hope. Uh, well, Hurls, if nothing else, is uh, stubborn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> she yeah. won't quit, That's even right. if she hates it. That's right. So let's talk about the gut brain microbiome axis, Chuck, because there's a couple of ways to look at it. And the first way is the way that you would expect that you do things like digest food, um, your gut linings produce mucus. Um, You poop things out after you eat them. You even swallow, and your brain has a lot of other stuff to do than to just micromanage that. So you have an entirely different secondary central nervous system that's dedicated exclusively to um, eating, digesting, and harvesting uh, nutrients from your food. And that's called the enteric nervous system.
1: That's right. Uh, And this is definitely one we hit on in the digestion episode. Mm -hmm. But they they handle it all. in the enteric nervous system, the ENS, is really um, similar in a lot of ways to our own central nervous system in that it's made up of uh, nerves and neurons and neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. And it kind of does its own thing for the most part as far as controlling that stuff without the central nervous system lording over it saying, "Uh, you forgot this part. Uh, you might want to move this through the intestine a little quicker. It kind of does its own thing. But this gut-brain sort of connection that we're talking about is really a connection between the ENS and the CNS because they have figured that these two systems talk to each other. And yeah. they talk to each other From the gut to the brain, which is the really surprising part, we've kind of always known that the brain talks to the gut. Right. But now we're learning, hey, it looks like the gut is actually sending messages to the brain. And a lot of the stuff we thought was a certain way could be actually backwards, like IBS.
0: Yeah, like we've thought for a very long time that people with IBS, um, which is basically your your lower parts aren't working at full um, full steam. Either you're pooping too much and you got really thin, watery poops, or you're pooping too little. You're constipated. Either way, you have. Irritable bowel—it's one of the most um, appropriately named syndromes there is, right? Yeah, and of course everybody's walking around knowing that anybody who has IBS is um, suffering from like stress or anxiety, and so it's bringing on like digestive issues. Well, this is what this this is why this stuff is so mind blowing—is this the field of research that investigates the gut-brain microbiome access is saying actually it's like Chuck just said it—it it might go both ways. You might have stress and anxiety. Not because of your your job or you know like you're there's some something stressing you out. The guy down the block keeps looking at you weird. That's not why you're stressed out or, or anxious. It's because you have IBS that's causing your your stress and anxiety. We may have, have had it backwards all this time.
1: Yeah, and to be specific, like you can get anxiety obviously because you have IBS but what they're saying is is the it's a chicken and the egg thing is the origin of this mm-hmm. is actually in the gut and not like oh i have IBS because i'm anxious
0: right and the the reason why they're saying that this is even possible is because that crosstalk goes both ways like there is a we're starting to find more and more evidence of just how the gut could possibly speak to the brain and send its own signals And one of the main ones is the vagus nerve, which made a starring appearance in our episode on what happens in the brain during an orgasm. The vagus nerve is all about that. But the vagus nerve also has a lot to do with connecting the enteric nervous system with the central nervous system as well. Yeah, I mean, we've
1: known for a long time, uh, and we talked about this some in our fight or flight episode that, you know, let's say you're out in the woods and you're camping and you have to go to the potty. Mm-hmm. And you go and you you squat down in the middle of nowhere. You're enjoying your time. You're about to do your business and a bear pops his head up.
0: <laughs> your says, body. You doing?
1: <laughs> your body. Well, the bear's like, well, I know what that means, but <laughs> I'm here to interrupt that. The bear says and,
0: I poop in the woods too. <laughs> That's
1: right. Uh, that bear, like, you, you will go on an immediate sphincter lock and it's not just because, um, it, it's not just a physical reaction you, and you have, like you choose to do, like, mm-hmm. oh, I better stop what I'm doing because there's a bear. Like, your body goes into fight or flight, and it sends, your brain sends a signal to your body saying, whatever else you're doing, shut it down now, because the most important thing going on right now is this bear in front of you.
0: Yeah, like the FBI guy in Die Hard, shut it down now. But that's what, <laughs> oh, man. because the brain is saying we've got um, we've got much better things to do with the energy that you're using to digest that food right now. So of course the brain can talk to the to the enteric nervous system when it's fight or flight time. And at this point, Chuck, I want to give another huge hat tip to our own uh, Dave Ruse, who helped us with this one bang up job. He came up with a, an entirely new phrase for fight or flight. Battle or skedaddle. <laughs> yeah, It's so good that I wrote an email just calling that one out to I him know. saying, like, this was a priceless term. And he said, that was all mine. So, hopefully he's yeah. going to figure out a way to copyright that one. He uh, he made up for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so, yes, we know that the brain can talk to the ENS, but the ENS can talk to the brain via the vagus nerve as well. And what they're figuring out is that it it communicates in a number of different ways with the vagus nerve, Um, specifically uh, those – and this is why they call it the um, gut-brain microbiota or microbiome axis, because what we're figuring out is, yes, you have cells – that line your, um, your intestines, your guts, that are neurons. You have neural cells. You have sensory cells. You have a lot of the same cells that um, your brain uses to make sense of the world. We're, your gut has those same cells too. But we're figuring out that the bacteria that lives in your gut is actually communicating to your brain and saying, hey, change this behavior. Hey, try this instead. Hey, have you considered a red sweater? Green's just not your color. Like the bacteria that live in our gut are telling our brains what to do in some ways.
1: It's pretty remarkable.
0: This Uh, is why we keep talking about this, Chuck. (laughs) I know.
1: Uh, The bacteria, in addition to doing all the, the other great things they do, they produce metabolites. And these metabolites actually do function as neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. and one of the big uh, examples that Dave dug up and this is, it's a big part of kind of one of the cruxes of this communication with the gut and the brain are these short-chain fatty acids, mm-hmm. uh, SFCAs. They are byproducts, they're natural byproducts of fermentation uh, when you're digesting this dietary fiber if you're hopefully eating enough dietary fiber, something I've had to do a lot more of lately. It's so good for you. It's crazy. It seems like
0: the key to health.
1: It is, and I don't want to get too uh, gross here, but I've, I've been on a lot of high fiber, and I have been more gassy mm-hmm. than I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. I know, and it's not even stinky gassy. It's oh, just—it's almost you're just lucky. like air. Very lucky. Yeah, because <laughs> those. I'm cruis- not saying my 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 toots don't stink anymore at all. Ever. Right. But these like fiber toots don't really stink,
0: that is really bizarre because cruciferous vegetable toots can really clear <laughs> room, I guess is a way to put it that's you're blessed, Chuck, your hashtag blessed
1: oh uh, well, my family's uh blessed, I guess, but then right. I don't really care,
0: but the, <laughs> you're like, I kinda miss it,
1: uh, but where were we short chain fatty acids um they are, like I said, natural byproducts, and they play a really, really big role in the digestive tract. And they're sending—they're the, one of the things sending these uh, signals to your ENS, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "Hey, maybe you should make more mucus. Maybe I can get the gut a little less inflamed. Um, maybe I can stop a little leakage from happening."
0: Mm-hmm. And so, w- so the short-chain fatty acids themselves—they're—they're a they're, uh- they're involved in neurotransmitters but apparently they can talk to the brain themselves too right like they don't have to convert into anything else i
1: think so okay. like just through through the vagus nerve right
0: yes and so so here's where we're at yes they they go through the vagus nerve that's the key here um and we've recently found a new kind of cell that line the um the uh, gut that are actually connected they connect the gut to the vagus nerve they're called neuropod cells and that's how they think that the gut is actually communicating with the brain through the vagus nerve. They think they found kind of like the smoking gun or the missing link or whatever. But um, that's how these short-chain fatty acids would travel up the nerve. They would send their signal up the nerve. Or they would travel through the circulatory system, which is another way that they figured out the um, the gut can actually impact the brain. Is So you get the vagus nerve, um, and then you have the circulatory system. And if the, all of those metabolites that are being produced by your bacteria that are fermenting. And different bacteria ferment, create different metabolites as they ferment your food and your dietary fiber. And those metabolites, like you said, sometimes they're short-chain fatty acids, sometimes, which can be like a precursor to neurotransmitters or possibly a neurotransmitter itself. They actually build actual neurotransmitters too, like serotonin, um, dopamine, GABA, noradrenaline. All of these things are actually constructed by the bacteria in your gut as well. And we know for a fact that those things can make it through the circulatory system to the brain. And they definitely have an impact on the brain and what the brain does. All right. Maybe we should take a break. All right. Take a pause for the calls. I'm just going to keep talking through the ad break. I'm too excited. All
1: right. And we'll be back right after this. <laughs>
0: Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care.
1: Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful.
0: Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver in iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio.
1: That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, car and drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides.
0: And the best part. Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955.
1: Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want, guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
0: So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get podcasts.
1: All right, so when we left, we were talking about a lot of stuff that sounds uh, pretty amazing and that we're just figuring out, uh, one of which is that uh, these short-chain fatty acids are actually able to stimulate that vagus nerve that we were talking about that stimulates neuro the production of neurotransmitters but here's sort of the the headline is some of these neurotransmitters can actually play a role in mood disorders so we're not just talking about um a two-way street with things like fight or flight we're talking about potentially autism parkinsons depression anxiety like we were talking about with IBS mm-hmm. and they know this because they took in these poor little mice i know that they're always you know doing the hard work on mice, mm-hmm. but they've taken mice, they've severed the vagus nerve in mice to see what happened. And what they observed was that this gut bacteria had a real effect on brain chemistry because when they shut it down, they found big time reduction in stress hormone levels. Like they completely went away in these mice.
0: Right. Which you would think <clears throat> their stress hormones would go up having their vagus nerves severed, <laughs> that that would be a really stressful thing. But now... Um, so, this, but that—that's really like a good illustration of the point that we're at in research. We there's there's not been a thing where it's like, oh, this is exactly how this happens. This is how your gut microbiota affects you know your um, your your brain and your brain chemistry. We're not there yet. We just know that there is a definite correlation, not just in my studies, Chuck, but also in. Um, human studies, which we'll talk about later, like there's plenty of human diseases that we've long known. If you have this disease, you also have like irritable, bo- irritable bowel syndrome or constipation is a hallmark of this neurological disorder that, um, that you wouldn't expect. We've known that they're connected and that's, it's all kind of correlative. Now we're trying to figure out the causes of it.
1: That's right, and it's not just like this. Communication isn't only happening through the vagus nerve, right? Uh, you kind of briefly mentioned before the break, but there are all kinds of ways that they're communicating that we're finding out. One of them is through the circulatory system. Uh, we used to think that the brain was just sort of shut down from uh, behind the blood-brain barrier, mm-hmm. but now they're they're showing that like hormones are getting through there. Uh, other things are passing through. We've known about ghrelin. Uh, we've talked about ghrelin for a while, the hunger hormone, mm-hmm. that basically the stomach produces it, sends a message to the brain that says, I'm hungry. So we've known that can pass through. But now they're learning things like you mentioned serotonin. <clears throat> to me, this is one of the facts of the show. 95% of our serotonin is actually produced by gut bacteria.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, the brain also can produce serotonin; it can produce its own. But it appears that I guess the, just
1: five percent.
0: The right, the the serotonin. Uh, a lot of the serotonin that the brain uses comes from the gut, comes from m- bacteria fermenting food and producing as a, a byproduct of metabolism. It just so happens to produce this neurotransmitter. And I don't think I don't think anybody who's looking into this is saying it just so happens. Like we appear to have co-evolved to Mm -hmm. take advantage of this. Like these bacteria started colonizing our guts, producing serotonin so much that our bodies found a way to really use serotonin in all sorts of different ways, including our brain to regulate mood and stuff like that. And that's like one one of the huge underlying messages of this is that our microbiome, the bacteria that live inside of us, they have way more genes than we have. We have something like 20,000 genes in the human genome. But our microbiome typically has something like 2 million combined genes. And with those genes, with all those extra genes that we don't have, all that bacteria can produce stuff that we can't even produce, like vitamins and neurotransmitters that we wouldn't necessarily be able to produce on our own. And yet, we rely on to function correctly. That's That's like that's the, the most amazing example of symbiosis I've ever heard in my life. But the idea that bacteria fermenting food in your gut, Chuck, affects your mood or your outlook or whether you have a, um, a, a cognitive disorder, like, that's really substantial.
1: It's, su- it's super substantial.
0: Yeah, I know. I feel like a, I, I could have come up with a, a better descriptor than really substantial, but I'm just too agog.
1: Should we talk about the study of uh, college students? Yeah. As far as, you know, trying to provide a link between stre- – like a two-way street between stress and our gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, well, there's no better place to go than to college students who are uh, prepping for exams. <laughs> and they said, if we're going to find out what's going on down there, we need to look at their stools. Mm-hmm. And they tested the stools during exam week and found that their feces had a lot less – Uh, lactobacilli, which is one of the good bacterias, then during the first week of class when they're just getting to know each other and partying and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same when they studied monkeys, little infant monkeys. And this is one of those tests that's a a little bit sad. No one's dying here, but they're stressing out mama monkeys Mm -hmm. on purpose. Mm -hmm. So they've got these mama monkeys and they'll play these loud noises while they're pregnant to kind of like
0: shock them. And... With the the, the mothers who had the say what I gotta stop you I'm sorry you just made a shock the monkey joke without even intending to I did that say was fantastic him, didn't I? yes <laughs> I could not let that walk by congratulations on that
1: monkey <laughs> monkey
0: <laughs> great song
1: don't you know I gotta <laughs> shut the monkey. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, I wonder if they just walk around singing that
0: constantly. He was probably, <laughs> there's no way they don't. And then they get home at night and they're like, oh, and they feel a little guilty about it because they remember why they're singing shock the monkey because they're actually shocking monkeys for a living.
1: Or, and we mean shocking with loud noises, not shocking with electricity. Right.
0: Well, yeah, that's uh, what I guess Peter Gabriel meant diff. too. But now I think about it, I don't know. Maybe he was talking about with electricity.
1: Or I wonder if there's just one person, like the person who runs the lab mm-hmm. on their way out says, you know, because they probably do it they their sleep. They'll say, remember, you got to shock the monkey tonight. And they, everyone else just rolls their eyes. Yeah. And they have to, they have to put up with Marty
0: Poor, who, who wears runs a, the lab. Yeah, and wears a piano keyboard tie every day. Yeah. <laughs> but there's different ones, too, because some of them have red backgrounds. You can tell they're a little different. All
1: right. So uh, so they make these loud noises. And then the monkey, the mama monkeys who were shocked uh, by these sounds, they had gut microbiomes with a lot lower levels of this good bacteria of mm-hmm. lactobacilli mm-hmm. and, uh, boy, bifidobacteria. Bifidobacteria.
0: Yeah. That's like stuff in yogurt, I think, both of those. Which we'll get to. <laughs> All right. A little we'll get bit, to bit of the foreshadowing anger. there. But they had a dysbiotic, dysbiotic microbiome is the upshot of it, right? Yeah, like things it was, get unbalanced,
1: basically, because of these stress noises that they hear.
0: Right. So, But it goes the other way, too, that they're figuring out that if your gut microbiome gets out of balance, then that can make you stressed out right? That can that can actually lead to mood disorders, that they're they're connecting like a really poor diet that's very low in like dietary fiber, because again, that's what your microbiome likes to crunch on and produces really important things like serotonin and dopamine from, that if you don't eat very well, it's possible your mood might not be as great or your outlook on life or your mental health might not be as great as it could be if you actually did have a much healthier diet. That is Very substantial. It is. And I think that kind of
1: stuff kind of uh, feeds on each other. It becomes this circular loop.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah well, that was something that was uh, that Dave pointed out too that they're starting to realize that your c n s your central nervous system and your enteric nervous system are probably in com- communication constantly they're just sharing information back and forth because there's no it doesn't make any evolutionary sense for your bacteria to just be running the show and telling your brain what to do That's one of the grimmest things I can possibly imagine is that we're actually just puppets for bacteria in our gut. Yeah, But at the same time, it doesn't make sense for your brain to be controlling your ENS. Your ENS is a semi-autonomous nervous system. Th- yeah. So, they're not bossing each other around. They're just sharing information and then making adjustments accordingly. But they can also affect one another and impact one another negatively when things are out of whack. Whether you're stressed out, it can affect your gut. Or if your gut's not doing well, it can stress you out. That's what we're That's finding. Right. That's right. And that is so substantial. <laughs> Is that the second time you said that? Third, third. Third, okay. I don't think you picked up the second one. That's all right. And this
1: is like, the reason this is big stuff, and if you're wondering like, yeah, but where is this all leading? We're about to tell you because if you have, uh, I mean, it's not just IBS. If you have Parkinson's or if you or a family member is on the autism spectrum disorder, they're not saying that they can cure this stuff. But they are finding out very promising tests and studies that things like Parkinson's and autism can be um, can be mitigated somewhat with the use of certain probiotics mm-hmm. and maybe in the future fecal transplants.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody credible is saying like, oh, we can cure autism spectrum disorder with, um, you know, probiotics or something like that. But there's a lot of mounting evidence that you can alleviate a lot of the symptoms, including things like um, uh, like behavior that uh, – like social avoidance mm-hmm. um, or not being interested in social novelty. Um, a lot of the classic symptoms that are uh, associated with autism spectrum disorder that, in my studies at least – they they clear up a little bit. They adjust. They actually kind of go away in some cases when you adjust the gut microbiota of these mice who have the the mice analogy of autism.
1: Yeah, and, you know, GI problems are um, not always but pretty much synonymous with uh, autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have Parkinson's, you probably also have constipation. This has been true from the very first patients that were diagnosed by, by Dr. Parkinson himself. Mm-hmm. He realized that you also have constipation. Back then, this was sort of in the age where, uh, I can't remember one of the recent episodes where we used to sort of uh, have colonics and enemas for almost everything.
0: Uh, well, that was probably the Kellogg's episode.
1: No, we referenced the ke- – it was like a couple of weeks ago. I can't oh, remember. I don't know. Well, why we we talk about ke- colonics
0: thing. and enemas a lot in this show.
1: I think it was – maybe we we're talking about the bleeders, the barbers. Uh, yeah, that was it because they used to give people enemas for everything. But it, they may have been onto to something a little bit. as like kind of quacky as it sounded back in the day mm-hmm. where if you had Parkinson's and constipation, they would give you a colonic or something or an enema, and it would kind of help your Parkinson's out. And people dismissed that a long time ago, but they may have actually been onto to something a little bit there,
0: yeah, the idea is that this is the current understanding of why parkinson's and um and and gut issues may be related is that they actually think it might start with gut issues that you have. Uh, a certain type of e coli that's producing a protein called curly c u r l i and that curly has an effect um in causing other proteins to misfold, which makes it a prion remember those oh yeah, so this prion curly causes misfolding of proteins in your gut. Uh, they end up clumping, which ends up constipating you. And this process starts a good 20 years before you show the classic symptoms of Parkinson's. This is amazing. Right. But the point is, is that by this time, after 20 years, your curly production has gotten so good that it starts to travel up to the brain where it starts misfolding proteins up there. And then you start to have the classic symptoms of Parkinson's like tremors and shaking and then eventually possibly even hallucinations and things like that. Um, the... That is all but that it all starts in your gut with these um the e coli that that is colonized your gut mis creating this curly protein prion, yeah, and this is one of
1: those where like research is going to help hopefully yield some uh if not cure some things that can help mitigate some of the effects of parkinson's, mm-hmm. but what it really could do is serve as an an early warning system that's not to say that if you have constipation you're going to get Parkinson's in 20 years. But if you have chronic constipation, and it, it could be one of those things that they li- then look out and say, hey, this is something we might need to watch out for.
0: Right. And that's actually, I've seen somebody uh, propose in a paper from, I think, this year um, that, you, that, that you use the biomarkers of what's called leaky gut mm-hmm. um, as an early diagnosis of autism. Because autism is usually diagnosed after a few years uh, of age, um, I think maybe three or five or something like that, that they don't typically diagnose it before then. But that you would have leaky gut like long before this and you could, you know, find it and possibly treat it. Because so leaky gut is this idea where you're, um, you're, the, your gut lining is meant to be semi permeable, where only the stuff your gut wants to make it through, like nutrients and uh, neurotransmitters and stuff like that, um, are able to pass through. Leaky gut is where you have basically holes and cracks in that, that, that lining. And so unwanted stuff like toxins and bugs and um, partially digested food can make it through your gut and causes inflammation. And then there's this whole cascading problem and that that is why um, leaky gut is associated with things like autism and I think even rheumatoid arthritis and a whole host of other Other diseases, So they're saying, if we look for leaky gut and we find it, there's a good chance, I think like 90% of people on the autism spectrum have leaky gut as well, um, that that would be a pretty good indication of an autism diagnosis later in life.
1: Yeah, I talked to uh, one of my really good friends, has a son with autism, and I was texting him about this, and it's like, man, there's a lot of really interesting research, and I asked him about his son having GI issues, and he said, since day one, literally. yeah. And, you know, I was like, you're going to really dig this. He's a listener, too. So, I was like, you're going to really dig this episode. I said, They're, they've come a long way. I said, and, you know, the, the future looks bright for, you know, helping to mitigate maybe some symptoms. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the, the, it seems to be treatable. Leaky gut seems to be a treatable um, thing where it's probably the result of uh, dysbiotic um, microbiota um, and that if you, you know, introduce certain kinds of um, – of bacteria that you want that's missing, it may actually alleviate symptoms. Um, again, I don't think anybody's saying, like, you can cure autism just with probiotics, but it's possible that that probiotics could really change um, somebody with autism's life for the better in a lot of ways, just from a probiotic supplement. Um, for sure. And so there's a bunch of companies, apparently – Uh, They're just throwing – venture capitalists are just throwing money at any company working on this right now. They're called psychobiotics. Um, This idea that you can create like a probiotic cocktail to treat something like autism or multiple sclerosis or uh, or rheumatoid arthritis. And that you don't have to use pharmaceuticals or drugs that function in ways we don't really understand that – What you're doing is going to the bacteria and saying, Here, live here and do your natural thing and produce this stuff that this patient isn't producing on their own, won't you? And that's just the most substantial (laughs) way you can think of to treat something like that. Super substantial? Yeah, super substantial.
1: Uh, All right, well, let's take our second break and we will come back and wrap this puppy up right after this.
0: Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24 7 virtual care.
1: Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful.
0: Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio.
1: That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, car and drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides.
0: And the best part. Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955.
1: Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want, guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
0: So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get podcasts. showcased site
1: so just go to squarespace.com stuff and you're gonna get a free trial and when you're ready to launch use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain mm-hmm. So back to the autism spectrum disorder, uh, they have found, uh, this is about 10 years ago, they found a correlation between mothers who had a high uh, sort of long-term prolonged fever during pregnancy mm-hmm. that they were seven times more likely to give birth to a baby who had symptoms of ASD. Again, correlation. Right. Uh, and then, again, the mice come into play. They got these pregnant mice. They infected them with a the flu virus. Ugh, it's just poor mice. I know. And they caused a spiking fever, and they gave birth to babies. And they can't test baby mice for autism, but what they can do is study their patterns and their behaviors. And they did find that they had limited social interactions. They had decreased vocalizations. They were doing repeated behaviors. Mm -hmm. They had leaky bowels, some of the things that you might experience on the autism spectrum disorder,
0: right? So they they kind of trace that to this idea, this theory, and there's a bunch of theories about um, how uh, people might develop autism. But this idea that um, when the mom has a fever, uh, an immune response is activated by a gut microbe, a particular one called segmented filamentous bacteria. And that it gets uh, T cells and cytokines active. And remember, we talked about cytokines in the mRNA episode. So and they want to storm? They are helpful, but they can also overblow things quite a bit because they run around activating all sorts of other immune cells um, and basically say, go, go, go. And so the idea is, is that this triggers inflammation. And inflammation seems to be a huge problem for all sorts of things. Everything from neurological disorders to um, to arthritis to uh, irritable bowel syndrome to, to basically anything that can be wrong with you seems to have some sort of basis in inflammation, like your body's mounting an immune response and you're suffering as a result. And so that's what the idea is with this, that these um, cytokines actually travel through the placenta and have an impact on the neurodevelopment of the fetus and that that is what causes autism, um, so that it's traced back to this to the, to the gut's ability to trigger the immune system, which is a, a, another whole thing that has. It, you know it has even wider implications than um than autism spectrum disorder too like it, it can trigger all sorts of other problems um it might not even have to do with the developing fetus it can happen within you like it can cause um cytokines to to travel up to your brain and produce neurological disorders in you as well mental health issues in you as well that that the gut and inflammation happening in a bad combo is, is nay good for the average human they're finding.
1: That's right. Uh, you mentioned psychobiotics, uh, before the break. This is the idea that you can, uh, again, use something like probiotics to treat anxiety or depression. And, uh, they have had a little bit of, um, good fortune with, with the results here. And it looks like, I mean, they're doing some of this on humans. A lot of it was in rats. I think in 2011 they studied uh, both rats and humans, mm-hmm. and they gave them uh, strains of bacteria for about 30 days: Lactobacillus helveticus and uh Bifido, That's the same one from before, mm-hmm. Bifidobacterium longum. Nice. They should just name these Biff.
0: Like, get, yeah, exactly. Just call them by their pet names, like Lacto and Biff. Yep. Those two old friends. <laughs> That's right. They really are too. They seem to. They pop up a lot. Where it's like, no, you, this is what you want. Like if you look at probiotic supplements, oh yeah, almost across the board, you're going to find lacto and biff in there.
1: Yeah, lacto and biff, the two, the two we love to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they then put these uh, people and mice through stress tests and found a quote significant reduction in anxiety-like behavior in the rats and uh, actual psychological um, distress was being alleviated in
0: humans as well. Yeah, I mean, there's that. There, this is where we're we're what we're moving toward now is treating mood disorders, neurological disorders, mental health issues, um, a whole host of physical maladies, chronic diseases, um, with with probiotics. If you can figure out what's missing in these patients, then you can grow that bacteria and put them in the person through like pills, and it's possible they'll clear it up. Another another. theory of where autism comes from is that there's a depleted gut where there's there's bacteria that's missing from the person and they found in mice studies they're able to produce germ-free mice Chuck and they they those germ-free mice tend to exhibit the autistic um, uh, symptoms um, that when they treat them with, with probiotics that those autistic symptoms tend to clear up which is pretty amazing
1: yeah it almost it doesn't almost seem like, like, what is definitely happening as science has progressed over the years, mm-hmm. it feels like it's become way, way less segmented. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, here's here's your brain, and here's your nervous system, and here's your organs, and here's this stuff, yeah. and it's all compartmentalized, and it just seems like, through our own research over the years, everything is linked together, it seems like.
0: Yeah, there's a whole, um, a whole field called functional medicine that's developing that gets super poo-pooed by skeptics and um, uh, it's understandable. It's a very early field, and there are plenty of practitioners who overdo it in in what they say that, that can be accomplished. But the, the whole idea behind it is is it's integrative. Another name for it is integrative medicine, where um, you, you don't, like, one of the first things you would do when somebody came in with a problem, no matter what mm-hmm. it was, is adjust their diet. To a healthier diet and start there because this idea of like the, the the there's you're part of a big interconnected whole that that's how our bodies function. Um, it seems intuitive to me now, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, Emily goes to a functional medicine doctor uh, in addition to our, our regular MD. Mm hmm. Um, it's it's sort of it doesn't have to be a one or the other thing, right? Ideally, I don't. Uh, ideally, they work to not together together, but oh, they they um, won't even
0: speak to one another. <laughs> no, but as a,
1: as a patient, ideally they work. You can work with both, is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, you just don't tell them
0: about each other.
1: She is as as you know is uh, suffering through Lyme right now. I didn't know that. Oh no. Oh, I didn't tell you that.
0: No, man, that's terrible. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Yeah, it's been a, a bad scene I'll here bet. at the house man. for a while. Uh, but her her diet is one of the big. She's on this crazy, weird, awful diet.
0: Nothing but goat milk.
1: No, but lots of <laughs> weird, like forest floor tea and uh-huh. just stuff that you know. Not able to eat. I mean, you name it, man. So many things that she can't have right now, man. Uh, to try and help it out because you know the the antibiotics they put her on were wrecking her.
0: Well, yeah, that's another thing too is they're figuring out that antibiotics to treat just, you know, rando stuff or like the flu or something like that, that that can have a huge, terrible effect on your gut chemistry mm-hmm. and can have cascading effects down the road. There's yeah. there, That's another thing that they're just kind of in the initial studies of. And it's not not any shade on antibiotics. They basically have saved more lives than can be oh, sure. possibly counted. But, the, but we have tended to kind of lean toward prescribing them willy-nilly, and people don't finish their uh, their prescription yeah. anyway. So, there's all sorts of problems with it. But they're finding, like, there's a lot of less less than obvious problems that can come about from killing off your gut microbiome. Totally. So, there's one last thing I want to end with real quick, Chuck. One of the guys, the guy who actually, um, along with a, a guy named Ted Deanon coined the term psychobiotics and psychobiome which is a description of how your microbiome produces neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and all that. that um, his, his name is John Cryan, and he has a theory of why uh, we would have evolved to have a microbiome that would impact whether we're social or not. Because it's weird mm-hmm. if you think about it. Why would your, your gut microbiome be being off, like dysbiotic, have any impact on social, socialization, Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is super interesting. And the TED Talk is, uh, it's a TED med. It's it's awesome if you have time to go watch it. A little heady, but good stuff. Um, his theory, he basically studied those same germ-free mice that you were talking about mm-hmm. that have, they basically don't have a microbiome of their own. Very sad. <laughs> uh, and he, he found out that these germ-free mice showed a lot of social impairment, uh, especially the male mice. And he compared that to the... Uh, germ-free mice to symptoms of ASD and found that it also affected males. So, again, that got him thinking kind of like what's going on with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, he said, I wonder if like having a healthy, sociable human is dependent on that gut bacteria with the idea being that we're all hanging out together in groups, you know, tuk-tuk in the gang Mm -hmm. and we're trading bacteria with one another Mm -hmm. We're in close contact with one another and swap and spit with one another, Mm. so our bacteria is more varied, basically, and that's how it's selecting that as a positive trait.
0: Yeah, and uh, from the bacteria standpoint, the more humans there are around, the more hosts you have to colonize, the more the bacteria species thrives. Right, so it's like a a, it's beneficial either way. Like we actually get a lot out of being social. Like we have longer lifespans, we have a better outlook on life. The more like close and support network we have. It's just been documented over and over again. And it it seems to be like the more we look into the microbiome and the psychobiome that that is driven by bacteria that seem to make us more social through their byproducts that they make that travel to our brain.
1: It's that circular loop again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So win-win is another way to put it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got anything else for now?
1: Nothing that's super significant.
0: Okay. Well, if you want to know more about the psychobiome, go watch uh, John Cryan's TED Med talk and also um, check out um, uh, science, the journal Science's website, Meet the Psychobiome. It's a really good introduction, too. Um, And since I said it's a really good introduction, too, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this from uh,
1: listeners in, in their 70s. We love to hear from our listeners. That are even older than me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It makes me feel good. Uh, Hey guys, my wife and I love your podcast. And this I think is just a bit of a reminder for us. Uh, I've been listening um, for years now every afternoon while playing Spite and Malice. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that
0: is? It sounded really familiar and I didn't have time to look it up. Because that that email just came in, right? Yeah,
1: this is hot off the presses. Okay, Uh, We're both in our 70s and love learning things we still don't know. Uh, But this email is to mention to both of you lately that your childhood folklore religious vocabulary has upticked some uh just reminding you that young people uh, around the world are listening and the word use brain framing is occurring bigly (laughs) we suggest for your consideration to stay with secular language like ce for the current era uh and we we used to default to ce i guess we kind of have flopped back a little bit, haven't we?
0: I hadn't noticed. I wonder if we didn't in the folklore episode, because they just referenced folklore, and we just ran the folklore select recently. So maybe, maybe they're maybe they're thinking, like, that's a current episode. Oh. That's my guess. Okay. So your guess is that we're on it? I feel like we're on it. I didn't... I, I hadn't noticed anything like that. I feel like we've said BC recently. Uh, I think you were talking about the headache powder.
1: Okay. <laughs> which i love uh we suggest you uh use secular language like ce for this current era for example in explaining historical timelines and science miracles or humicles as we call them Hmm. uh and science is miraculous in its own right with all credit to the amazing human beings who discover the actuality of our natural universe thanks for what you do keep them coming this is from andre and meredith
0: ryland in pensacola florida Thanks a lot, Andre and Meredith. We appreciate you guys writing in. And if you want to be like those two and write in yourself, well, we want to hear it. Send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey friends, when someone says Amazon, do you think healthcare? Well, maybe you should. Amazon One Medical offers same day appointments, and if somehow that's still not convenient enough, they have 24 7 virtual care. Not only that, there's also Amazon Pharmacy, so after your virtual care appointment, Amazon will deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. Now waiting in line with people who are sick with who knows what. It's a new era of healthcare. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's better. BetterHELP.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. And you can use those miles on any travel purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5X miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.